This morning we will be looking at the next in our series on what it means to be a covenant community, specifically on being a praying community. We have three texts that I'd like to bring to your attention. Two of them are very short. The first is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. The word of the Lord is completely without error. The word of the Lord is completely authoritative. And the word of the Lord is completely sufficient. This is the very word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5:17 Pray without ceasing. And then turning over to Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then lastly, a longer passage in Acts chapter 4 beginning at verse 23 through to verse 31. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Thus far the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray that the Lord would add his blessing to it. O Lord, our God, Lord, we ask that you would teach us by your word, that you would mold us by your word, that you would change us more and more into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. This we ask in the name above all names, the name of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. We have been, these past few several weeks, going through what it means to be a covenant community, looking at various characteristics of what a covenant community looks like, forgiving, loving, hospitable. And this is important because I think oftentimes 
when we think about unity, when we think about being committed together, the first thing that jumps to our minds is a common cause, an action that we take together. On some level, we think that when there's a job to be done, it doesn't even matter if we're all on the same page as long as we're focused on that job. But the Bible doesn't view the community of the church as focusing only on the mission of the church. There is something about the nature of the church, about who the Lord is making us to be, that brings us together into a community. Because you see, if we focus only on the mission, only on the common cause, only on activities, then we will fail to build relationships one with another. And it is a truism that those who are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb will gather together not just on Sundays, but for all eternity in the kingdom of God. And so this morning we look at prayer, at being a praying community as something that builds us up and builds us together. And I would like us to look at three things about prayer this morning. I'm not even going to attempt to give an exhaustive study on prayer. That would be worthy of a series in its own right. But three things about prayer that affect us as the church and the way we think about and treat one another. The first is that prayer brings us closer to God. Prayer brings us into the presence of God and brings us closer to God. The second is that prayer brings us closer to each other. There is something about prayer that builds relationships, that causes discussions, that brings others to our mind. And then thirdly, we see that prayer is what equips us to reach the world. It not only builds up our relationship with God and builds up our relationship with each other, it is the thing that equips us to go out into the world where we have a lack of relationships, where the name of the Lord is not honored, where we seek to bring His word. Prayer is what equips us to reach the world. Let's begin then this morning by looking at our relationship to God and how prayer affects that, how prayer brings us closer to God. The first thing that we need to understand is that prayer reminds us of our own need. And this is central to our relationship with God. If we look through the scriptures, the word for prayer basically means taking a request for help to someone else. Now, the word itself does not, is not exclusive to prayer to God. It is used of asking others for help Kings, rulers, authorities. You may even remember hearing in old English as someone needed something, they would walk up to another person and say, could you help me, I pray thee. This word has the connotation of seeking help. And because we go to the Lord with help, this word also has the connotation and is used in the Bible of simply speaking to God, of conversing with God. A good way to think about the Christian life in some is that God speaks to us through His Word and we speak to Him through prayer. 
So what exactly does prayer mean? How do we define prayer in a way that makes us aware of our need and our relationship to God? I think one of the best summaries of prayer is found in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Specifically, question 98. The catechism is a good compendium of biblical truths put into bite-sized and memorable forms. And when answering the question, what is prayer? The answer is, prayer is an offering up of our desires to God for things agreeable to His will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of His mercies. And I don't think it is a coincidence that when the divines were putting together this definition, right at the very front of it they put an offering up of our desires to God. That is, telling God our needs. Telling God what is on our hearts and what we need help for. This is what Hebrews speaks to us in chapter 4 where it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace for help in time of need. You see, the throne of grace in the Bible is the place of God's grace and mercy. It is where we take our prayers to our Heavenly Father to let Him know that we are in need and that He is the only one that can help us. The throne of grace is the place of God's mercy and God's provision. Now, I don't think that when Hebrews talks about the throne of grace here, it means primarily the place where saving grace is found. I think the emphasis is on grace that we need even after salvation. Because, you see, there is a boldness in our approach. We go to the throne of grace. We are already in a relationship with God. But being saved, beloved, does not solve all our problems, does it? I don't think you need a Bible lesson on knowing that saying you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ instantly gives you perfect health, more than enough money, your kids always behaving perfectly, your spouse always agreeing with you, and your job being a piece of cake. No. What happens is when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you are still in the life that you are in. You still have the relationships you have. You still have the circumstances that are around you. All of the difficulties remain, but one great thing has changed. The great thing that has changed is that you now have access to the creator of the universe, the beloved of your soul, who will help you in the midst of all these trying circumstances and needs. Our needs do not go away when we believe in Christ, we become more acutely aware of them because we can bring them to our Heavenly Father. We know that we need help. Now, we always need help, don't we? But there are sometimes we need a little bit more help than others. That's what Hebrews is getting at when he says to find grace to help in time of need. It's no good to have a cold or the flu. We can always be tired or a bit run down. And we need help. And it's appropriate to pray for these things. But when there are certain times when things are acute, when a serious disease pops up in our life, when we are cut and bleeding profusely, 
we realize that these are great times of need punctuated in our existence and that makes us even more aware of the need of prayer. You see, it is not that we do not need God to sustain us through all of our daily needs. It's just that it's much easier to take those things for granted. When we have providences come into our life that show us how unable we are, this is what provides a blessing to us in prayer. You see, we know at those times that we don't have the answers, that we can't solve all the problems, that we don't have the ability to do what is asked of us. And the only thing we can do is ask for help. You know, it might be like if some of our young people were asked by mom to get some plates up on the very top cupboard shelf. You know, the one that's like one or two shelves above where you can even think about reaching. You look at mom and you say, I can't do that. I'm not able. Or you might just say, I'm not tall enough. But it means the same thing. You can only manage it with help or with assistance, right? You need someone to boost you up or you need someone to give you something to stand on. We're keenly aware of our inability at those times when things are beyond us. And that drives us to seek help when we don't have the strength. This reminds us of who we are and our need. But prayer also reminds us of who God is. That God is a God who is willing to help. The Bible speaks of the Lord as one who is more eager to hear our prayers than we are to give them. Now stop and let that sink in for a moment. He is more willing to help us than we are to even make our needs known. There is a surety in knowing that God hears our prayers. Isaiah 65 says, Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. You see, God is so eager to help us, to show us that He is there for us, that He provides for us, that it even outstrips our ability to ask for help. We can know for certain that we are heard. This is why this morning in the Heidelberg Catechism, the word amen means it is true and certain, for God has more certainly heard my prayer than even I know. That's an important and practical reason for you to end your prayers in amen. It's actually one of the reasons that we use a corporate amen at the end of a prayer. It's not for show that we say, and all God's people said, amen. It's so that all of us know that God will hear us. And that we are all of one mind and that we are together. God is so willing to hear and to help. God is not just willing to help, though, but He's able to help. You see, many of us are willing to do something, but we're not always able or have the power to do so. This past week, I was able to help a couple of my kids with math. or Excuse me, I was willing to help them. I was not able. After hearing them describe their homework for a bit, I looked at them very intently and said, Go talk to your mother. 
I just didn't have the ability. Now think about what that would be if, if God was like that. If we went to him with our prayers and he just said, I, I really would love to help you out, but it's not the day of the week for it. Or I've got plans. Or someone's more important than you I'm dealing with. Or I'm just not able to do this. This isn't my thing. But God never says any of these things. Because He is powerful beyond anything we can imagine. He is all-knowing, He is all-seeing, and He is all-powerful. And we can bring our prayers to Him in confidence. And praying reminds us of who God is. Because we are never more vulnerable than when we pray. And when we are praying, our theology takes deep root. That God is able. And that God is sovereign. Why would we bring a prayer to God about our job situation if we didn't think He was sovereign over our work? Why would we pray for our family if we didn't think He was sovereign in our lives and in our homes? You see, praying teaches us the truth of who God is from God's Word. It reminds us that we are to take our prayers to God. A third thing that prayer does in bringing us closer to God is it gives us confidence. It gives us confidence that God will hear and that He will answer. There is a deliverance that comes. Again, we see this in the Heidelberg Catechism. We conclude the prayer by saying, For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. We have supreme confidence that all of our situations are in God's hands. That we have a place to go. That we have something that we can do. You see, there are many times in our lives when we're at a loss. We can't fix a situation. We can't heal someone of a disease. We can't create funds out of thin air. Prayer gives us something to do. And this is important. Because if we are idle, then doubts will spring to our mind. The enemy will come alongside and whisper in our ear. But you see, prayer provides us with a positive direction to go to God, to know that He is our Father, to know that He is willing and able to answer. And that gives us boldness and confidence in answering. You see, each and every time we hear an answer from the Lord, it gives us more and more confidence that He will be there with us. All of the promises that have come true are a buttress for prayer. This is true in your homes, isn't it? Have you ever had one of your children ask you for something the very first time? They say, Dad, could I, you know, if it wouldn't be too big of a deal, but you know, it's okay if you say no, but you know, really, I think, I've been thinking about this a long time, and I've got this request, so could you just hear me out before I fi-? It's on and on and on, and all these caveats, and all these bordering statements. But when there's something that is known to be heard and to be answered and to be accepted, it's easy work, isn't it? Dad, can I go play ball with the guys? Sure, just like last week, just like the week before that, just like the month before that. Sure. And that's what prayer is like. The more we are found praying, the more we go to our Father, the greater the confidence level we have to come to Him with all of our requests. We have confidence in our relationship with God that we know we will be heard, that we know that we are cared for. And I think significantly, 
We have confidence that we are important to God. Prayer is a reminder of that truth. Do you know that with your soul, that you are important to God? You say, who me? I'm small. I'm old. I'm just a this. I'm just a that. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ by faith? Did He shed His blood on the cross that your sins may be forgiven? You are supremely important to God. Well, how do I know that? How do I remind myself of that in the midst of a society and in a world that is constantly telling me I'm not important? I don't matter. Pray. Go to your Heavenly Father. Know that you are important to Him. Prayer not only brings us closer to God, prayer also brings us closer to each other as a people. Because you see, there is nothing like prayer to focus us on others. The truth of the matter is, we lead very busy lives, don't we? We have so many things that are in front of us, we can't make time for anything. Prayer causes us to make time. Prayer causes us to take a pause in the midst of our busy lives and offer up prayers not only for ourselves, but for the others around us that we know who are hurting and in trouble. It causes us to listen to others when they speak to us because we want details. We want to know how to pray well. We want to get updates so that we can modify our prayers, so that we can see how the Lord is at work. Prayer causes us to encourage others. When others are sick, when others are having difficulty in their marriage, when others are afraid of being laid off, you can't wave a magic wand and solve the problem for them. But do not discount the power of saying, I'm praying for you. Can we pray right now? I care about you. You see, this creates instant community. It builds the relationships we have. Spending time together in prayer with one another is an opportunity to go before the throne of grace and to declare to the King of the heavens that we care about each other. Prayer also reminds us that we are a community. That we are drawn together. We see this in Acts chapter 4. Now, remember the context for this prayer meeting. Peter had gone out to testify to the Lord Jesus Christ and to bring the gospel to others. And the authorities had come to him and told him he must stop. They had tried to prevent him from preaching the gospel of Jesus. But God's work could not be stopped. Right? As much as they tried to stop Peter and John, they didn't even wind up keeping them in prison because God was at work and God will not be stopped. And then they go back to their community and the people see that it is the Lord who is building the church. That it is not up to them, but they must seek the Lord's face because the Lord is the one who is making the kingdom go forward. The Lord is the one preserving the message and the messenger. And so it draws us closer together to know that we are all a part of the body of Christ. We're to pray that the Lord will build His community. We're to pray that the Lord would deliver us from opposition. We're to pray that the Lord would unite us in our work. 
that we would go forward with joy and gladness to see the kingdom built. Have you ever tried to stay mad at someone after you've prayed for them? It's nearly impossible. You see, the reason why we can carry bitterness and grudges one amongst another is because we try and avoid that person, not just in speech, not just in person, but even in our prayer life. So I want to encourage you here this morning that if you want to see community built up, if you want to see your relationship strengthened, if you want to see Christ Church model a community of God, then be in prayer. And start this week by praying for the people who get on your nerves most, who drive you nuts, who never have a good thing, it seems, to say to you. This will put you in an entirely different mindset. And you can start in the church. Because we're all sinful people. Your pastor is not under the illusion that all of us are perfectly happy with each other. It's just not true. There's whole segments of time that each of us are not happy with people in our families. How much more so in the church at large. But if we have a commitment one to another as we do in our family if we commit to pray one for another, as we do in our family, the Lord will use that as a type of glue to keep us together. There is a great blessing to be found in prayer. Prayer is not a chore, it is a privilege. The third thing that we see is that prayer equips us to reach the world. Prayer changes our relationship with God. It changes our relationship with each other. But it also equips us to reach the world. And that is because praying, first and foremost, reminds us of God's victory. You remember that definition of prayer? That we are to bring our needs to God, but we are also to bring with them thanksgivings. So as we pray, being thankful for what God has done, even as they did here in Acts, they thanked the Lord for what He had done in the days of David. They thanked the Lord for what He did with Peter and John. And proper prayer reminds us that God has the victory. That's why we're going to Him. A critical part of prayer is rehearsing what God has already done for you. Do you do that in your prayers? Do you remind yourselves and pray to the Lord in thanksgiving for the way He has blessed your family, for the way He has provided for your needs, financially and physically, for the way that He has brought healing into your relationships, healing to sickness and disease? You see, if we begin with that area of prayer, we cannot help but be confident and bold. We cannot be ready to be equipped to reach the world because we know that God wins. That's the most encouraging theme of the Bible. In the end, God wins. I don't care what ISIS says. I don't care what the government says. I don't care what the false church says. In the end, God wins. Now, what would it be if we took the power of that off of just the end of all things and brought it into Wednesday? That God wins your Wednesday. That God wins your Saturday. 
that He is going before you as a warrior to defeat all His and all your enemies. That is the purpose and work of Jesus Christ. And prayer brings us into that. It reminds us our thanksgiving to God not only shows our gratitude to God, but it also empowers us to go forward in the face of victory. You know, it is much easier to win the second or third time when you've won once, right? When you crack through. You know, you have these kind of games that you do at home. Dad plays the kids in chess or checkers. Dad wins every time. But Johnny just keeps after it. And Dad really, young people, I'm going I'm to let you in on a secret. Dad's more scared than you are. Because Dad knows if he ever loses once, that opens up the crack. And the confidence is there. And you build on that again and again and again. And this is what our prayer life should be like. We should be praying constantly. As a matter of fact, this is a good theological reason to pray for small things all the time. Pray that God would get you through traffic. Pray that God would give you time to eat lunch at work. Pray that God would help you get through the laundry. Because those are victories that you can see and count and take with you to greater battles. It reminds us of God's victory. And we begin to expect victory. Secondly, it gives us a boldness in life. Now, there is a natural boldness that we have. There is a boldness that comes to us when we feel like we are in control. Or when everything is going right. You saw it yesterday on the television in certain college football games. When a team is up by three or four touchdowns, it's easy for them to be bold. Everything's under control. They've got this handled. But what do you do when it's not under control? You see, when life is under control, we're happy to undertake bold things. But when challenges are before us, How are we bold in our service to Christ? How are we bold to speak the word of Christ after we've heard no thank you a dozen times? The place where we get that boldness is from prayer. Going to the Lord. It gives us a confidence, a boldness that we can even pray for as they did in Acts. They said, Lord, we need your help. We need you to give us boldness so that we don't ever stop. Don't ever let us stop, Lord. Is that your prayer this week? Or do you just hope you won't stop? Do you just think that you'll muddle through? Seek the Lord, and He will give you boldness. You see, this is the real challenge for the church today, because, beloved, the world is not getting better in the immediate future. They are not going to all of a sudden in Congress, pass laws protecting every Christian's right. They are not going to overturn the Supreme Court. They are not going to change what's produced on television and in the movies. We are not in control of the culture. We do not have it all together. But I'll tell you the secret. We speak to the one who is in control who does have it all together, 
who has won the complete victory. And so stop trying to do it on your own, but go to the Lord. And gather others around you. Build that community. When you have an opportunity, let's take five minutes and pray together. Let's pray about this situation that we heard in the news and we've been talking about. Let's stop and pray about it. Because we can't change what's going on in Syria. But let's pray about it now to the one who can. And the irony here is, this has been the case for most of the church throughout most of history. America is an aberration. We are being pointed to the source of all good and all provision in the living God. In this sense, there is a silver lining to the black cloud of culture before us. It requires us to give up on trusting ourselves and to run to Jesus. Because He is the one with the power. Prayer reminds us not to be afraid, but to trust the one who is sovereign. Prayer reminds us not to give up hope no matter how dark it is. Prayer is our lifeline to the living God. Thirdly, prayer empowers us with the Spirit. It is not merely that we see that God has won the victory. It is not merely that we have hope that the victory will be won. No, we are equipped to win the victory as The Holy Spirit empowers us. And there is a juncture between prayer and the Spirit that comes to us that is obvious and clear in perhaps a greater way than any way that we react with the Spirit. You see, prayer is more than just listing off requests to God. Prayer is a way of life. Prayer is communicating with the living God And the way we communicate with God is by the power of the Spirit. He is the one that makes our requests known even when we don't know how to express them. He is the one that testifies to our spirit. He is the one that links us by faith to the Father. The Spirit is at work powerfully in prayer. And this is why Paul says we are to pray without ceasing. Prayer should always be a part of our life. And even as we are always indwelt by the Spirit, we should always have that line of communication open with the Lord. It is not merely that we have set prayer times and prayer places. It is that in each and everything that we face, we need the wisdom, the advice, the power, the grace, the mercy of the Lord. And we must go to Him to get it. Prayer is that avenue. The Spirit is the one who brings us to God, reminding us of the promises of God, reminding us of how God is faithful and how God has delivered and how God's promises are true and we can trust them no matter what we might see before us. The Spirit brings us to God by strengthening our faith, by drawing us closer and closer to the Lord through His Word, For faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And the Spirit also brings us to God by aligning our purposes with God's. By guiding us to His will and to His purpose. So we can then see as we pray why God has brought things that seem so difficult 
and horrible into our lives. That He has a greater purpose. We can get a glimpse of God at work in the midst of our lives. And the Spirit of God also brings us together as a people. You know that when Jesus was about to leave, He told His disciples, it is to your advantage that I leave. Which seems completely counterintuitive. Who would want to see Jesus go away? But He says, unless I leave, the Spirit will not come. And as the Spirit comes, the Spirit draws us all together as the body of Christ. It builds us up as a community. This is why Paul says, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Now this could be confusing to us, unless of course we translate it into Texan. Do you not know that all y'all are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in all y'all? You see, what Paul is saying here is, it's not that the Holy Spirit is just in each of us individually. The Holy Spirit is present in the body of Christ. He is who brings us together, brings us corporately to the Father. And what better way to build community than that? Before the throne of God, in the shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Prayer reminds us that He alone can provide for our needs. Do you desire to have deeper relationships? To be loved and to love? To be built up? Do you desire to go out as an army, efficient and cohesive, to conquer the world for Christ? The Lord has given to us a provision And that provision is prayer. Our community is to be marked by being on its knees. That challenge comes to you and to me today. If we wish to be built up as a community, we must first and foremost be committed to prayer, to the God who ever loves to hear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask this morning that you would commit us to prayer, that you would not allow another day to go by in which we forget to pray, that you would not allow us to say, I'll pray for you to someone and fail to do so. But Lord, we ask that you would use prayer as a mighty and powerful weapon to build up your people, that your kingdom might go forward and that Jesus Christ might be proclaimed. For this is what we long to see, O Lord, the glory of Jesus. This we ask in Christ's precious name. And all God's people said, Amen.